the prophet Jeremiah speaks words of imminent judgment, but also words of amazing hope. Hope of a new covenant. On The Bible Brief. Our goal is to get 100 new monthly supporters before the end of 2023. Will you be one of the 100? Give today at BibleLit.org. When your world comes crashing down, who or what do you turn to? When your home burns up in a fire, or you suddenly lose your job, what's your reaction? Do you get crushed by anxiety? Do you tighten your grip to try to retain control? Do you just passively accept a hopeless situation? There are moments in each of our lives when things seem to be going the wrong way all at once. Negative events seem to pile one on top of another, and the weight of life becomes too much to bear alone. The pressure is just too intense. The way we each deal with this pressure is largely with a relief valve of some kind. An internal way that we take the immeasurable pressure and release. For some, it's anger. For others, aggression. For other personalities, however, it's a detachment or ambivalence toward the intensity of the events. Yet God has a different way to deal with these pressures that we can lean on in times of great trouble. A relief valve that takes the overflow of life's weight and places it somewhere else. A place of safety in the midst of calamity. That place is the Lord Himself, the achiever of promises and the strength for the weak. Yahweh is the relief valve on life because He is the only one who can bear everything we need Him to. He's the only one we can count on, no matter what storm threatens to undo us. As David said in Psalm number 9, Yahweh is a stronghold for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. And those who know your name put their trust in you. For you, O Yahweh, have not forsaken those who seek you. The kingdom of Judah is in a bad spot and it's getting worse. Their amazing righteous King Josiah, who had shown so much promise, died from wounds in battle against the Egyptians. What looked like a potential revival of that great united kingdom instead fizzled with his death. Josiah had attempted to block something big that was happening in the world, and for his trouble he was killed by these passing Egyptians. The Egyptians were interrupted in their plans to help a new ally to the north. They were going to help the once great Assyrian Empire that was being bombarded from the south and from the east. A new power was rising in the world threatening the Assyrians, and Egypt was coming in to help. They may not have liked the Assyrian dominance of the last century, but they knew that they would hate the alternative. The strengthening Babylonian power was now threatening the very existence of Assyria. Only a few years prior, they had completely decimated the first old capital of Asher, the ancient city of Haran, and the great capital city of Nineveh. Assyria had become a power on the run. Egypt was going to fight with the Babylonians, but Josiah delayed him, and for that he was dead. Dead like the Assyrian Empire was to be within a few years. 
Finally, in 605, the Assyrians completely collapse in the city of Carchemish. Though aided by the Egyptians, they yet fell, and the empire of Babylon is just getting started. Judah is mourning Josiah's passing, and soon they have to install one of his sons in his place. A son who doesn't lead in righteousness like Josiah did, who's wicked just like the prior kings before. You can imagine the hopes of the faithful Jews being dashed to pieces. Their good king was gone. News from a foreign land meant that tumult was on the horizon, and God had already announced coming judgment on the small nation. News especially hit one of the few faithful of Judah, a prophet named Jeremiah, one to whom Josiah listened and reformed his ways, one who appreciated the young lad who'd grown into a good king before being killed by the Egyptians. We read this in 2 Chronicles 35, starting in verse 24. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah also uttered a lament for Josiah, and all the singing men and singing women have spoken of Josiah in their laments to this day. Jeremiah the prophet had been a fixture just outside of Jerusalem, and he'd been one of the prophets who'd spoken to Judah time and time again about returning to God and reforming their ways. He was a prophet who loved God's people and loved Judah, but because of his message of coming judgment, he wasn't always loved in return. Jeremiah's prophetic words are recorded in one of the longest books of the Bible, and while they're wide in scope, they contain a single essential message from the Lord through Jeremiah, not just to Israel, but to all nations. This is Jeremiah chapter 18, starting in verse 9. The Lord says, If at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I will build and plant it, And if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then I will relent of the good that I had intended to do it. Now therefore say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I am shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return, every one from his evil way, and amend your ways and your deeds. Through Jeremiah, God's message is clear. God raises up nations, and He destroys nations. And more than that, He renders judgment according to what a nation deserves. Israel, and subsequently Judah, had been raised up by God to be a light to the world, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation among all peoples. Yet with only a few interruptions, the chosen nation of God had rebelled against Him in remarkable ways. Starting with the complaining to Moses in the wilderness— the people devolved into the very same practices as the Canaanites that were before them. And here Jeremiah says, Stop! Go away from evil! Return to the good! Change yourselves, that God's judgment might not come! Yet how do they respond to Jeremiah's message? They say, That is in vain! We will follow our own plans, and will every one act according to the stubbornness of his evil heart. The people choose stubbornness over reform, and God continues forming His threatened judgment on His rebellious people. Now, even among all these rebellious ones, there were still a few faithful, Jeremiah being one of them. And you have to feel for this small portion of the populace. They were trying to follow God. They were doing their best to obey the law that God had given the nation. 
There may have even been thousands, like in Elijah's day, when God revealed that there were many people still faithful to him. These people attempted reformation of themselves and their families, yet judgment was still coming. God's covenant at Sinai wasn't with the persons there. It was with the people there. The covenant was with the nation, and the nation had rebelled. The faithful would be exiled along with the rebellious ones. They would lose their land, their homes, and their livelihoods, all because of this awful disobedience that was so ingrained in the people. Their lives would come crashing down around them, and all would seem lost in the blink of an eye. Generations of people in the land would turn into a generation away from the promise. The pressures of the moment must have been intense. The greatness of the emotion must have been enough to cause fear and trepidation for mothers and fathers, looking their children in the eye, knowing that they would be uprooted and cast away from the land. Yet in the midst of all this devastation, they had a choice. Where would they turn in calamity? Where would they hope when hope was lost? What could stabilize the ground under their feet? For those righteous few, it would be Yahweh and His promises. The God who brought them into the promised land could bring them back. The God who split the seas could split the nations. Someday the people of Israel would be back. For his part, Jeremiah the prophet injects this hope in the midst of the coming calamity. And he does it talking about the same branch that Isaiah had spoken of. He says this in chapter 23 starting in verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares Yahweh, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. Yahweh is our righteousness. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord. When they shall no longer say, As the Lord lives who brought up Israel out of the land of Egypt. But instead, As the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of all of the countries where he had driven them. Then they shall dwell in their own land. The people had heard Jeremiah's cries of coming judgment, but now they heard his hope of miraculous renewal. Not only would the branch from David come, the Messiah, but he would cause a new exodus, a return of Israel and Judah from all the lands where they would be exiled, a new exodus so monumental in scope that the older one won't even be brought up. God's plans for judgment would be followed by plans for amazing renewal. Jeremiah says these famous words to the people of Judah, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. The faithful had hope. They could cling to God and to God's promises even in the midst of the awful years ahead. The pressure of their situation could only be relieved through trust in God's power to do the impossible, to make a nation again from a people scattered abroad. But that's not the only hope that the people had to cling to. They could also cling to the next great movement of God in the Bible. A movement not involving the old Sinai covenant, but a new covenant. 
a covenant that God himself will make and God himself will bring to flower. Listen to this, starting in Jeremiah 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares Yahweh. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Imagine hearing that from Jeremiah in the midst of all the coming judgment upon the land. Not only will there be a new exodus to bring Israel and Judah back to the land, not only will Messiah come to rule over the nation in righteousness, but even more, there will be a new covenant that God makes with his people. Instead of a covenant like that one at Sinai, this covenant will simply involve God's actions on behalf of his people. Instead of blessings and curses for obedience or disobedience, there will simply be blessing. God's teaching will be upon every heart in the nation, and he will forgive their sin to remember it no more. Jeremiah says this, The future hope is even better than the past glory of Israel. The future means a new covenant. The future means a righteous king. The future means dwelling in the land of Canaan in peace. What do you do when calamity surrounds? What do you do when your world crashes down, when tomorrow looks worse than today? You cling to Yahweh and wait for his promises. You speak like Jeremiah does in his Lamentations to the Lord. Jeremiah says this in Lamentations chapter 3. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is, so I say, My endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. For the Lord will not cast off forever. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. This I call to mind, therefore I have hope. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023